Talk Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Hour number two this week on the Zone Sports Network. Austin Horton here with Jeff Miller, general manager of Mark Miller Subaru. Check him out at the Midtown Store, 3535 South State, or at the Southtown Store, 10905 South State. Did I get that address right? 10905? 10920. 10920. 10920. So close. Another another 50 feet, and I would have been there. 10920. It's in the Auto Mall. You know where it's at. Uh, so go on in there and see these guys. Uh, by the way, uh, took our cross trek in just this week to uh, get some service looked at and uh, to see the the brakes are squealing or whatever. And my wife took the 10 month, almost 11 month old baby with her, and the baby had the time of her life playing in the Discovery Gateway play area. Right. Yeah. It's fun in there. Isn't and it? just hanging out and, so, and watching people watching and and seeing the cafe buzz around. It was not, and they were there, you know, not a 10-minute quick lube. They were there a good amount of time, uh, less than an hour, but still with a baby, five minutes seems like 30. Oh, my gosh, And they, she said it just flew right by. Awesome. So, a compliment there for you guys. You're doing something right there. So go on and get your car serviced and uh, experience the difference at Mark Miller Subaru. Jeff, uh, we are reminiscing about people's first cars at 855-340-ZONE, but while we await more responses to that. J.D. Power has released its 2019 initial quality study, and they have the worst new car sold in America. Okay. George Roska is not going to like this result. What is it? The Jaguar is the worst new car sold in America, according to J.D. Power. Specifically, the Jaguar XJ is the worst new car sold in America. The second worst was Land Rover, uh, and uh, there it goes from there. So Jaguar and Land Rover, according to J.D. Power, the worst new car sold in America. Why do you think they don't like the Jaguar? So it's, this is actually so this is done by a survey. So the way this one actually works is it's a survey that works that says how many problems per 100 vehicles. So they survey customers, and they, they don't survey everybody, but they survey enough that they can get a statistically significant amount. And so how many problems there are per 100 vehicles? So if every vehicle has one recall or one problem in the first 90 days, that's one, right? So the lowest one is actually uh, Honda and Kia, which they've come a long way on that. Hmm. So And it's all three of their brands. Genesis is number one, Kia is number two, and Honda is number three. So this isn't, long, this isn't long-term reliability. This is the first 90 days. Okay. So this is really more of a statement on manufacturing. That yeah okay yeah. Right. So this is within the first ninety days of owning the vehicle. Yeah. Or it's, driving the vehicle. Yeah. So Jaguar is the worst at one hundred and thirty. Out of a hundred. That means that every car in the first ninety days, on average, had one issue, one point three issues. Yes, one point three. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So and it happens. I mean, you have one recall on it in the first ninety days. That's that. You got one trim piece that was off, or radio needs to be pre-programmed, or. A lot of these come now from not properly delivering vehicles, right? So if we don't properly deliver a vehicle and teach someone how their car really works and they bring it to our service department saying it's a problem, and then we find out, oh, we just didn't educate them on how it worked, that counts as a problem. So, it, And this isn't, this isn't dealership from the data from the retailers. So this is an actual RO data. This is mm. reported by customers. And that it may not be like you just said. It may not be this car's breaking. It may be you don't know how to. Work I don't know something. how the radio works. I don't know how eyesight works properly. So I, I, can't, I think eyesight's not working because it's beeping right. at me when I try when I 
veer out of my lane. Right. Yeah. That's how it's supposed to work, but we didn't <laughs> teach you how it worked. So there's, there are definitely problems to both sides of that, but you definitely want to be higher on the list. But, yeah, Subaru's always struggled a bit with that. So Genesis 63 was the best. Jaguar 130 was the worst, and the average in the industry was 93. So there you go. Uh, that is according to the research done by J.D. Power, uh, like you said, with retail returns. Which kind of makes sense to think. Do you know what the top overall model was? The top overall model? Yeah. No, what's that? Porsche 911. Okay. Because that car gets delivered, and every that car, you are, it is with a red carpet. checked on every little problem, issue, scratch, dent, ding. That car is, better be perfect when it gets delivered to me if I'm buying a 911. <laughs> That better not have one fingerprint on it when yeah. I buy it, when I pick that thing up. Yep. That better be in a theater with a <laughs> sheet opening saying, Duh! With Charlie's there in <laughs> there to say, here's the keys, exactly, Mr. Miller. So, would you take me home? I'd hope that comes out like that. I mean, like, drive her to her home, of I, course. That's yeah. not what I, I meant by yeah, that. I got you. Okay. I'm a married man. I am as well. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, you be, were. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be a nice conversation to have, Jeff. She's a learned woman. She knows uh, a thing or two about politics, a thing or two about comedy. Did you see her movie with uh, Seth Rogen? Long I shot. I heard it's pretty funny. It's hilarious. It's you would funny. love that movie. Yeah, let me see that one. Toyota, they're testing a new and improved version of the solar power cells. It previously launched in, on the Jap, uh, Japan-exclusive Prius PHV in a pilot along with partner Sharp and Nito. This uh, mean they're essentially panels on the roof. Uh-huh. To add on top of the Prius. On top of the Prius, yes. It's supposed to add like 35 miles to it, though. This uh, is for the plug-in hybrid. Uh, so 27.7 uh, of additional range per day while parked and soaking up sun can add up to 35 of power to both the driving system and auxiliary power battery on board. You know, it makes a huge difference. So, like, so I've been driving this plug-in plug-in the uh, plug-in Crosstrek for the past month now. Fifteen hundred miles I've actually put on that thing already. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm living in Park City now. That's true. <laughs> so I, that's what I was worried about, right? So when I was driving the first, I was still living in Salt Lake when I first got it. So literally the first week I drove, I don't think I used any gas because hmm. I was within fifteen miles of both stores and stayed off the freeway and ended up pretty much. Being on completely on gas, plug in at the dealerships, plug in at home, worked great. Now going up the canyons and back, you can't do that. There's, no, there's no way. But I'm still. So I started on this last tank of gas. I started at the top of the canyon. I've got pretty much gone up and down the canyon a few times on it, and I'm still averaging 55, 60 miles a gallon. Wow. On that car going up and down the canyon. But I pl- so I plug in when I get to the store, plug in at home. Good for you. And it still gets 55, 60 miles a gallon because essentially going down the canyon. It's getting, it's a. You're not you're not using gas. spending there, yeah, yeah. Right, it's going. What it really uses the gas is getting up to the summit. Is it, so you really only have about a 15 minute period where you're using gas, and then when you get into the city, you're back on electric. Yeah, I sat in that thing with you a few weeks ago, and that was a smooth little trip. We just ran, went around the building. Yeah, it's it a was cool, fun. It's a great little car. I mean, but imagine it car. being able to charge It'd be really with cool solar panel charge. roof. My problem is that the picture of it, if that's what it looks like, it's no, they got to figure out how to make those look <laughs> not quite that ugly. Right. They're going to have to find some kind of... Yeah, uh, those, those solar panels aren't good looking. <laughs> <laughs> it does look just like a, a geomat on the top of yeah, this Prius. Yeah, it's got like roof. rivets on it. And <laughs> it's not uh, It's not a good look. Yeah. Uh, it's even right down along the hood that they've got these uh, yeah, solar panels on. 
It's, it's not good. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was trying to see what their projected would be when this would be able to actually go to the general market. But right now they're just in the testing and experimental stages. So I still think it's going to be a while. But that's I always talk to you about uh, the electric car, my problems with it, or range, and this would solve that. You know, it has the, it's the head, the roof, and the rear window are layered with solar cells. The rear window. How do you see out the, the back <laughs> of the car? The Toyota Spoken says rear visibility isn't a problem because the driver can use the side mirrors while driving and no. the rear vision camera when parking or packing up. No, that's incorrect. <laughs> I don't think that's going to fly. You touch sure U.S. The, safety standards. Yeah, not sure the NHTSA is going to. like a blacked out back window. <laughs> no, but we got mirrors. See, we've got these two mirrors. No, you got mirrors on the side. It'll be just fine. And we've got a camera for when it's not driving. So the key is they just put a TV screen on the inside of the back window that shows you what's in the back. Like the. Subaru so Ascent. Yeah, they should just do that. We just have a rear vision camera that leaves the hole. You can still see out the back from your rear view mirror. That's brilliant. Jeff. Brilliant. You ought to give him a call. Here. All right. I'll, be, I'll be right back. I think you know I someone who in the Toyota business, don't you? I don't you? know anybody in the Toyota business. <laughs> I can get the Subaru guys on the phone, but. Do uh, you know someone who knows somebody? Know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. Yes, maybe. Who could send a letter. There you go. Uh, what is the number one appreciated feature on the Ascent, do you think? Do you think it's that, something like that, like the luggage view? I call it the I, luggage. I, as far as what people liked about this, uh, they're just the size and the drive. It just mm-hmm. drives so smooth. It's just, I mean, we took we took it to we went out to Idaho this week with the kids to, for a few days and j- took their ascent all the way up there, five hours both ways, and just just awesome. Family of five in that thing. It was so comfortable and so easy. It's got twenty three miles a gallon, going up and down. Can't beat that. How can you ex- how can you complain? That? Stop the ice caves. You ever been to the ice caves? No, I've not been to the ice caves. In like Shoshone. Uh uh-uh. uh. They're really cool. How do they have ice caves in July? So there's a, it's a natural phenomenon. I've learned something. I, we had a little education on our way home. Okay. Yeah. So there's a it was, there's a volcano in the middle of the it's fifteen twenty thousand years ago, whatever. And so it, it's a lava flow, and then there's the way the gases form in the lava creates tubes underneath the lava flow. So like twenty foot high tubes that are like rivers under there. And it's so far underground, and it's because of the airflow in it, it stays 29, 30 degrees under there. Wow. So it's 29 degrees inside this thing, literally just 30 feet down. And there's 17 feet of ice in there. There's and like, you could go in and see. Yeah, we walked down through it. Originally, Were before, you scared? Like Originally, when the, it first formed, I guess it was almost four miles long. Wow. Now it was probably – there's places that have collapsed in it and things like that, like 4,000 years ago, not like last week. It could happen, Jeff. Great. <laughs> it could happen. So could the big earthquake in Salt Lake. That's saying, why. You haven't run away yet, have that's you? That's why I always have a granola bar in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Show it to me. Show it to I me. I got hungry earlier. <laughs> <laughs> there was some rumbling. But it was really cool. Like you walk back and forth through. I got some pictures I'll show it to you during the break. That, I'll have to go check that out. Yeah, it was it, fun. It's near Shoshone? It like a, yeah, it's like a 45 minute tour. It takes 45 minutes, like a three quarters of a mile you walk. And the kids really enjoyed it. The kids, the kids it? loved it. Good. Uh, did you take? You, did, you said you did take pictures. It was so funny. So you were going through the middle of this cave. I just got to tell this one story real quick. So we're going through this cave, and they had like this little like weird geological structure that they're like, oh, this like normally these would form in these caves, but this one was brought in. And they're like probably six feet high. This like really cool rock formation that's like two feet wide. Like they, but they're he's like they were brought in. So he's like, there's this like seventeen year old kid giving the tour. He probably lives there. And he's like, okay, so anyone in the group, there's like 15 of us in the group, anyone in the group, whoever can guess closest to how much you think those things weigh 
and gets a dollar. <laughs> so I remember it's like, ah, oh, 400 pounds, 800 pounds, 600 pounds, miles. My five-year-old's like, 10 pounds. The, kid, the guy's like, you're right. <laughs> all, all, everyone in the group's just like, 10 pounds. Wow. Where's 10 pounds? Where's 10? Way to go, Miles. Way to go, Miles. And Smiles got his dollar. <laughs> now you got to take him to Lagoon and have him play all those uh, guessing games. Yeah, it was funny. That'd be fun. <laughs> it's like 10. ten. And the guy's face was just like, <sighs> wow. He's right. No one's ever gotten it. <laughs> no one's ever gotten there. He's like, we've got people come in and say like three tons. It's like, <laughs> you know, it was brought in here by hand. <laughs> like, you can't get equipment down in the cave. <laughs> Someone had to carry this in here. Uh, uh, a legend in the industry is going away, Jeff. The Volkswagen Beetle rolled off the very last Beetle that will ever be made off of a Mexican uh, production line in Puebla, Mexico this last week. On July 10th, the final VW Beetle uh, was put out, uh, was made and rolled off. They had a big party, confetti, a mariachi band, played it off into the sunset, and they will no longer ever make again the Volkswagen Beetle. True or false, they never will ever, never again, ever make false. another Beetle. False? They'll make another Beetle. <laughs> They'll make another Beetle. They, I don't know. Do you like the Beetle? Not this beetle like the original be like the herbie beetle yeah got a little i like the beetle because of herbie i All didn't herbie i never movies. liked herbie you didn't like the herbie no, movies no, it never oh, it never rolled with me man but those i i really like the original uh convertible volkswagen beetles i think donald trump was disappointed that the final beetle came out of mexico <laughs> <laughs> that's a german vehicle he doesn't he shouldn't care does he do you see what the signs on it i'm sorry the plant no the t-shirts everyone was wearing no they're a gracious beetle. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's good. Yep, so the beetle, gone. Never forgotten. Who do you think got the last one? Well, it's, uh, I don't think it's been sold yet. I think that this maybe was... Maybe they uh, keep it? Well, maybe they'll put it on a display somewhere, but... Anyway, it's the last of them. That's it. Uh, do you know... Uh, did you ever do a gender reveal for any of your kids? Or did you just kind of announce... No. We're having a boy. We're having a girl. Yeah, we didn't do anything like that. We uh, we did the the confetti cannon where you know we didn't know we had our my sister in law uh, the doctor told her and she got it all set up yeah and we pulled the right. confettis and it, the pink came out everywhere it's really fun but there's a lot of dumb ways that people reveal their uh, <laughs> really excited about that. genders it's really odd <laughs> it, 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 I mean, she wanted to do it. And, and, <laughs> <laughs> the vi- the video that came out, my wife's genuine excitement was so perfect. Uh, I was just kind of like, yay. Uh, uh, now I have to worry about boys dating my daughter someday. That's immediately what went, went through my mind. But some people take it way too far on the gender reveal and end up getting in a lot of trouble like this one couple in Australia. Vision of a Southeast couple's bizarre and dangerous gender reveal stunt has been captured by drone. The Hooning Act quickly taking a sour twist, exploding into flames. Plumes of blue smoke billow from the tyres of a souped-up sports car. Onlookers, with camera phones in hand, walk along beside the car filming the stunt when the tyres catch fire and the car explodes. Blue smoke turns to black as flames consume the car. Those tyres have obviously worn down to the rims and uh, caused the fire under the vehicle. 
Behind the wheel is Samuel Montesalvo, who goes by his middle name Tyler. This hooning is a gender reveal stunt for a yet-to-be-born baby boy. It almost gets the 30-year-old driver killed. It might have been something with the uh, compound of the tyre that generated the heat to cause the fire. For his antics at Norwell on the Gold Coast, Montesalvo was slapped with a $1,000 fine and a six-month licence disqualification. He laid low inside his window tinting business today when approached by Nine News. There are countless gender reveal videos online, people thinking of creative ways to announce the sex of their unborn child to family and friends. Burnout gender reveals are nothing new either, only this time it ended with a criminal charge. A bizarre stunt that could have gone horribly wrong. I can understand the excitement of people wanting to do something special for a gender reveal, but doing that sort of thing on a public road with people standing in front of the car as you're moving towards them is yeah, a pretty silly thing to do. Harry Clark, Nine News. What a terrible, terrible idea. Burned Nearly out. died. Nearly died. Yeah. Uh, it, it reminded me of the Border Patrol agent last year that shot a target out in the desert to, that would reveal the gender of his uh, to-be-born child that caused a $5 million forest fire. For, what was it? 47,000 acres of land and $8 million in damage was done. Uh, last year. So when you're doing these gender reveals, keep it simple. Keep it easy. I would say don't involve chemicals. Don't involve firearms. Don't involve tobacco, firearms, and uh, uh, what's the agency? The tobacco, firearms, ATF. and... ATF. The ATF. Yeah, they're gonna be Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, keep them away. It should have nothing to do with them. Stick with the confetti poppers. <laughs> or, or even... We even saw one recently where they threw the, the baseball, and when you hit the ball, it explodes. Yeah, I've seen that one, too. The golf ball ones. You can buy little golf balls. Yeah. So you like, we had a drive, and like blows up. That's fun. Yeah. Do that. Although the baseball one. pressure there. What if you like <laughs> slice it off, or you miss, or that's this, you duff this, it? This baseball one. You like hit one. the ground before, oh! <laughs> that's right. And that's what happened with the this. The baseball one, there's some pressure on, too. What if you miss? And it that's, just like hits the ground below you. And well, like, that's the guy. Oh. Or, or the guy the guy that was with the bat didn't like the pitch, so he let it go. He didn't swing. It was too far outside. It was a bad pitch. And so the it wife just, gave a bad pitch. And it hit the catcher in the face. <laughs> I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but you got to just keep it simple. If you're going to do it, keep it simple and have, have fun with it. Don't be burning things yeah, and, so and causing damage. You can buy a black damage. bag that sticks to your tire, so it's a gender reveal tire burnout kit. That shouldn't be a thing. It's only $14. Well, for $14, $14 and a night in jail, you can reveal the gender of your child. You burned cities to the ground. <laughs> Stupid. Uh, congratulations to everyone that was driving out on the road in Utah uh, around and on the 4th of July. The holiday wrapped up with only, well, this is a weird way to say this, only one road fatality. And I don't mean only in the sense that it, one is one too many. But compared to what it usually is, uh, that's a really good improvement uh, quoting again, Utah Highway Patrol spokesman Sergeant Nick Street credited the drop in road deaths in part to enforcement efforts as well as public safety information campaigns like zero fatalities. The Highway Patrol reported uh, just 63 DUI arrests over the holiday weekend. There were almost 5,000 traffic stops, 2,900 speeding violations, 521 seatbelt violations, and 193 investiga investigated crashes that had 93 injuries. So 193 crashes, 93 injuries, one fatality. One's one too many, but that's yep. about as good as you can that's hope That's not too for. bad. Yeah. That's not bad at all. 
and so there you go. Also, they said that there was less uh, fire issues uh, over the 4th of July. Now, we've had our fires here and there still from fireworks, and the Pioneer Day holiday is still upcoming. Uh, so please be smart and safe and do things wisely if you're going to choose to celebrate in that fashion. But so far, uh, we've been okay. 855-340-ZONE is the phone number here on Utah Car Sense. 855-340-ZONE. Back to the poll question of the day. Tell us the your favorite memories of your first car. What are your memories of your first car? 855-340-ZONE. Everyone that calls in is entered to win a four-pack of VIP Lounge movie passes from Jeff Miller. So should I give you my first car? Yeah, what was your bread? first car? It was a two-door RAV4. Okay. You could park that car, like, horizontally into a parallel <laughs> parking spot. It was so small. It was, like, shorter than a Jeep. I mean, that thing was the weirdest Oh, yeah, they're compact. Yeah. yeah. How long did you have it? Oh, probably at least a year or so. Like, that thing was rough. You didn't <laughs> like it? No, it was just funny. Like, we caused some trouble in that car, <laughs> which I'm not going to talk about. Come on now. No. A friend you know. Just say a guy you oh, once yeah, knew. Yeah, this guy I once knew who had a tuna wrap <laughs> because the only one they sold. 855. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, parents everywhere were like, no, we will not no, we're good. buy a RAV4. 855-340-ZONE before we take a break. Bill. Hi, Bill. Good to have you back on the show. How are you guys today? Good to hear from you. What was your first car? Well, it wasn't my... My first, my first car was the Plymouth Barracuda I oh, talked to right. you about before. Yeah. But uh, the first car I ever drove was my father's '57 Plymouth uh, head push button uh, transmission. Wow. And, uh, uh, but the real reason why I called was that story about the the fire. Uh, I was <laughs> I was living in Pennsylvania. Oh, no! That's like the last page of a murder mystery being ripped out. About this fire. I was living in Pennsylvania. Then, ah! (laughs) What happened in Pennsylvania? We need to know. Burned down Philadelphia. (laughs) 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 So we're just filling in the blanks. Bill, if that's not true, call us back. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to slander Bill. We don't want to say he did something he didn't. But if you want to guess what happened to Bill in the fire in Pennsylvania, 855 Three four zero zone. Bill, call us back. We'll put you right at the front of the line there, buddy. Eight five five three four zero zone. In fact, I think he's calling in on line four. Alex, we'll get to you in just a moment. Other things we got to talk about today, Jeff. We'll get to later in the show. Asleep at the wheel. How a secret study on Utah's roads could be putting drivers at risk. Is that juicy enough for you? No, that sounds juicy. How about uh, the? Uh, uh, where did this go? Uh, the. Oh, we talked about the DUI crashes being down in the first uh, quarter of the year. The worst new car sold in America we talked about. The solar panels we talked about. But how about seatbelts? How restrictive is too restrict? Or yeah, how restrictive is too restrictive when it comes to seatbelts? There's a new uh, survey being done uh, about seatbelts that we'll try to fit in at some point in the show today. Eight five five three four zero zone. Bill, we've missed it. You said you were living in Philadelphia or Pennsylvania, and a fire yeah, I was broke living out. In Pencil- I was living in Pennsylvania working on my car in the garage one day, and I had something that I wanted to throw away. I, I took it out behind the house, put it in a paper barrel without thinking of what I was doing, and lit it off, and the wind was blowing like crazy, and there was a cornfield behind my house. <laughs> and oh, wow. and uh 
Well, you know the end of the story. The fire department showed up. The field was on fire, and, and uh, I'm out there, and the, the fire chief comes out, and he says, who was the blankety-blank that decided they wanted to burn something today? And I, I said, I don't know who it was, but, man, this thing really took off. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. And you're admitting this on radio, Bill. I'm sure the statute yeah, on radio, I'm admitting it. But it <laughs> it destroyed a field of about 17 acres of corn. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. I'm caught. I'm on the phone with the authorities right now. Just give me a minute, Bill. The, far, the farmers bureau is all after you on this one. Yeah, well, you gotta be well, careful. It, well, it was basically the stocks because they had picked the corn, and I sent them a $20 donation to, to make it all better. Okay. I'm sure that That's, made up for it. That smoothed it right out. <laughs> Anonymous 20 bucks, yep, for sure. Hey, thanks for calling hey, guys, in, my friend. You, you guys have a great day. You too. Bill's the best. Give uh, a donation. Let's fit in a couple calls before we break. 855-340-ZONE. Dion is on the line. Hi, Dion. Gentlemen, how are you? We're great. How are you? Doing fine, doing fine. And what my first car? Yeah, Zoe, you want, that's what we're calling on, right? Yeah. <laughs> 1966 Pontiac GTO. Oh, my dad oh. would be jealous. My dad loves those cars. Well, he's probably I'm probably older than dad, so. Yeah. That's what my dad drove in high school. <laughs> that's it. That's high school. So exactly. was this new to you, Dion? It was new to me. Yeah. It was you know used to somebody else, but it was mine. I bought it. Put a there's a 383 in it, tri power, 411 rear end. How's that? Jeez. <laughs> why, 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 why were co- cars so much cooler back in the day? They were a lot uh, They were. It was a blast. They you were know. real cars, like, man. Because there were like no because there were no safety you know, or emission standards. Because <laughs> we had no safety or emission standards back then. <laughs> That's right. We didn't. Exactly. They were, yeah, they yeah. were rolling death traps. <laughs> yeah, and you oh. can cruise State Street without any issue. Now, now, now you get tickets <laughs> if you go back and forth on State Street. Yeah, don't be doing that. Uh, I, I won't. Won't talk about that one. <laughs> All right. But uh, thanks, Dion. Sixty-six GTO. That's the dream car of every high schooler in the, the whole known world. That's a cool 66 car. GTO. Final uh, call here before we break. Jim has called in. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Nice show, gentlemen. Thank you. Enjoying it. Thank you. Um, my first car was a 63 Chev Beller wagon that I bought from my dad's best friend that lived across the street. I grew up in SoCal, a place called Torrance. It was perfect. It was really basic. It was just kind of like a stock metallic blue. Uh, I can't remember what. You know, I can't remember how large the engine was, but I do remember that uh, opening it up, man, it was wide open spaces, didn't have all the extra stuff, and you could just get to what you needed to get to. So I really miss that. It was a great car, just had stock vinyl bench seats, wanted to go to the beach, great, put surfboards, whatever we wanted into it, just went down there, wanted to go skiing, great, just put all the skis in the back, didn't even need a rack. Yeah, plenty of so, space uh, in the Bel Air wagon. That, there was oh, no, yeah. you, you could have uh, lived in that thing, I'm sure. Uh... Yes. Yes, you could. <laughs> yes, that's, anyway, that's that, that is a possibility of what could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Yeah, those Beller wagons, those are big, long, beautiful uh, vehicles. boats. Uh, it reminds me of the car they drive in Harry and the Hendersons when they uh-huh. have to put Harry the Bigfoot in the back of their car. It's like a station wagon type looking thing. All right, 855-340-ZONE, your first car, memories of your first car. You'll be entered to win a four-pack of movie passes. The seatbelt campaign in Virginia. We'll get to that next here on Utah Car Sense.
Welcome back. Final half hour this week on Utah Car Sense, presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Austin Horton and Jeff Miller here with you. Alex Lundberg producing for us today and taking your phone calls at 855-340-ZONE, 855-340-ZONE. We've had a good turnout so far. you got a few minutes left to call in and conversate with us, and you'll be entered into the movie passes drawing by the end of the show. <laughs> Jeff, there's a new initiative called the Local... Uh, local Heroes Seatbelt Awareness Initiative. This is uh, right now being done in Virginia, but there's some talk of it going all across the country as well. Uh, essentially, the unbuck- unbuckled fatality rate is at 52% in Virginia. So they're uh, rolling out this campaign with uh, billboards, TV, radio commercials, uh, online social media commercials. But the question is becoming some of the uh, one of the commercials. Two of them are kind of lighter, funnier, sending that kind of message. But one of them shows an actual actual footage of a of a vehicle crash where the the uh, person was not wearing a seatbelt. It's been removed for now, but it doesn't show the actual death. But it is a horrific crash. Yeah, the person's not restrained, and it cuts away and gives you all the details. So they're using the shock and fear and factor. Scare, scare factor, right? Is that too far? Is that going too far in trying to get people to wear their seatbelts? I don't know. I think it's been had this way for years. I mean, it's always been like that, right? I mean, 20-some-odd years ago when I went to driver's ed, it was that same way. They show you the video of the – I remember – I literally still to this day remember the video of the motorcycle guy who got decapitated on the highway that I watched in driver's huh? ed when I was 16. Say what? Yeah. They didn't show what happened, but, like, they showed like the aftermath of it. What do you mean the aftermath? Uh, like of it? they showed like the scene and oh, there was, but like, not him. No, there's okay. there was like blood on the ground and stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like the stuff they used to show is crazy. But I think they have to show. I think there has to be some scare factor to it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we teach our kids. I mean, my my dad my dad's actually the funniest with his grandkids. His rule is is if they get to the end of the driveway and you don't have your seatbelt on, you owe them a quarter. Okay. <laughs> so he finds his grandkids a quarter each. <laughs> they have until the end of the driveway. And he, he fly. Like, he doesn't even, like, like I get in the car. Like, I look around. Okay, buckle up, buckle up. Like, and I don't move until they buckle up. My dad gets in, reverse, <laughs> go. And they all know. They're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my money on me today. Yeah. So it's just a discussion. You know, how far is too far? And I, I think that, I think I'm with you. Uh, again, they don't show any of the blood and guts. They don't show the gore. They just show the impact, and then it ends, and then shows the statistics that 52% of the fatalities are unbuckled, and and you need to wear your seatbelt to get back home to your loved ones. And it, it just is. It also, by the way, becomes you become a projectile inside that vehicle when you're not restrained. And if everyone else in the car is restrained and you're not, you could end up costing people lives that. Are doing the right thing, so just put it on. Totally, it's not a big deal. It doesn't uh, hurt. I, I've always made the joke about people who come in our service department asking us to turn off the seatbelt beeper. No, we just say no. Yeah, no, no, we won't do that. In fact, give me your keys, yeah. sir or madam. You're not to be driving around my neighborhood without a seatbelt on. Well, the people who buy a buckle so they can put it in the passenger thing when they got like stuff on the seat. <laughs> come on now, uh, what's to stop them from putting it in their own? Uh, buckle. Yeah, exactly. That's terrible. 855-340-ZONE. Got uh, the phone lines uh, lighting up here. 855-340-ZONE. 
Mel has a comment about his first car. Hi, Mel. Hi. Uh, my first car was a 1941 Chevrolet four-door. It was Battleship Gray. I bought it when I was 16. And uh, my parents never owned the car, so I provided the transportation for them and a brother, which is uh, kind of different, you know, mm-hmm. from what happens nowadays. But anyway, we lived up uh, in Millville, that south of Logan, up near the mountains, so it was uphill, you know, no no uh, snow tires, and they didn't bother to plow roads much in them days, so I'd have to fishtail up the road to get home. And <laughs> I guess because my folks never owned a car, I was always car crazy. I had a 64 Corvette convertible that I didn't have sense enough to own, and but I now have a 2017 Corvette, you know, 80 years old, driving around. So neighbors <laughs> probably think I'm crazy, but I'm having fun. <laughs> Good, you deserve it, Mel. You deserve it. That's a and the the 41. Yeah, you're right. Back then, uh, when you're talking about when you had that car, nowadays I think we're at just under two cars per household on average. Back mm-hmm. then, it was what two cars per street. Yeah, uh, on average, had so, cars yeah. then. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Mel. Appreciate the memories. Eight five five three four zero zone. Our good friend Pete is back on the show. Hey, Pete. Hey, you guys. Uh, I love the show. Um, I owned a eighty one. Uh, it was a Datsun little little four by four pickup. Yeah, that's the one you were talking about. Dawson was all excited about the Datsun. Tim called in earlier about an 80 Datsun, but he was talking about the little sport coupe Datsun, and I thought it was the pickup. So you've got the 81 pickup Datsun. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a good, that was a fun ride. I enjoyed that. Um, One of my buddies drove a uh, Renault Le Car. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) Le George uh, driving Le Car on Seinfeld. That Uh was that's the old joke there. Yeah, Le Car. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that was great because the whole – it was a manual convertible like like a roof, you know, and you guys have probably seen them like on uh, some of these uh, other cars that, that they've come out with even recently. And uh, so we just peeled that thing off in the summertime. It was so much fun to fly around in that thing. I, the, it's a uh, hideous car, but it's kind of cool like, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was not nothing nothing pretty to look at, but when you were in it, and like I said, summertime with that roof down, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the seatbelt thing, I need, I think they should continue to show all the consequences, no matter how, you know, I mean, within reason, you know, obviously you don't want to, you know, um, but I don't think they should sugarcoat it. I mean, you were saying only 53% of people in Virginia wear seatbelts? Uh, no, the 52% fatality uh, was uh, – I'd have to – where did that go? It was uh, – hold on, I'll pull it back up here. They said – it was right at the top of their thing. It says, with Virginia's unbuckled fatality rate at 52%. So, uh, the yeah. unbuckled fatality rate is at 52%. Exactly. Yeah, that's uh – yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, it's just common sense. If you're not gonna, you know, buckle in, which you know, to me, it's like I feel, I feel, frankly, naked if I don't have it on. So yeah, it feels weird. Um, oh, for sure. Like that's the first thing I've ever do. Like you get in the car, you put your seatbelt on. Like, and I think I mean, the, the key is to, you just gotta train everybody who does that, and whoever's driving, just make sure that happens. Like our kids are trained. Like 
Our kids won't get in a car and not put their seatbelt on immediately. I don't even have to ask anymore. And yeah. they're five, seven, and eight. The new Ford Ranger comes with a feature that uh, pops up on the dashboard and tells you which buckle is not activated in the car. That's so cool. you can call out, Timmy, you're not buckled, <laughs> without even having to turn around and look. Uh, but, yeah, more right. essentially at 52%, more people are dying when they're unbuckled than are living when they're unbuckled. That's. I mean, it's really shocking that they just don't have a cutoff. You don't got your seatbelt on, this thing doesn't run. That's interesting. That would be – I'd be on board to sign a petition or whatever it takes to get that, that to happen, yeah. You know, because it – it's the only reason I mentioned that is I was over at Stonebridge Golf Course two two nights ago, and they've got these new golf carts. And if you actually get a little too close to whatever perimeter around the green, the thing stops running. I was like, really? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> wow, to protect the green without getting the cart on there. It's got like an yeah. electric fence of some kind. Cool. Yeah, it's got some kind of computer system that just – that just disables the because it's a gas golf cart, huh? And it, it we had to push it like away from the green to get it to run again, which <laughs> was crazy. Not a bad idea. <laughs> cool. Hey, thanks for calling in, Pete. Always good to hear from you, my friend. Have a great day, guys. Thank you. You too. Have a good week. Eight five five three four zero zone. Don is on line four. Good morning, Don. Hey, good morning. Um, my first car was a seventy six Ford. Granada soup. Oh, wow. Uh, it, I loved it. It yeah. wasn't the best-looking car in the world, but had bucket seats and was good transportation. It's a, it's a, it's got a different look to it. I don't, I don't think it's ugly by any sense of, of the stretch. I think it's a sharp-looking car. Yeah, it's not a bad-looking ride. Yeah. And my, my first antique car I bought when I was 16 was a 36 Chevrolet four-door. Whoa. I've always had an old car throughout my years. So. Do you have an old car now? Yeah, I do. What are you, what are you driving now? Well, it doesn't run. Oh. <laughs> I have a, it's a 38 Chevrolet uh, Sport Coupe with a rumble seat. Wow. And it's really rare. It's the only one in Utah. And what are your and plans for it? Make, well, I started restoration, but now I'm going to make it to a hot rod now, I think. With the rumble seat. Oh. That's pretty cool. That's cool. No seatbelts on the rumble seat. No, no seatbelts so on the be, rumble seat. That, that was be, not a good transition from our seatbelt conversation. Be <laughs> yeah. But it's a cool and collection have, piece. I have another question. Is I went to an antique store in Six South, and I noticed a bunch of Land Cruisers, and they told me that Mark Miller owns them. Does he ever show? Nope, Gre- Greg Miller. And look at his collection. No, it's, Gre- it's Greg Miller, a different family. It's the Larry Miller family. Oh, so it's Greg. Yeah, Greg's oh, got a Greg huge Miller. Land Cruiser collection. I think you can go Did in there and look at them. I, I, can't you go in there and take a look, or is it just I storage? Think you can. I thought you could go in there and, and look around. Uh, can you, you? You might want to check it out, not just take my word for it and march on in there, but you could go see. I, I think that that's okay. why he's got them there, is for people to go look at and enjoy them. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's quite the collection. I've seen pictures of them. I've never uh, been in yeah, person, I... though. Okay. All right, Don. Thanks right. for calling in, sir. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Those rumble seat cars, those are cool. Uh, you go out to these old-timey car shows, and they've got a few of those, but not not the – he said he's got the only one in Utah, the 36. That's pretty cool. That is cool. 855-340-ZONE if you want to get in on the show. Hey, uh, you remember how Toyota is opening that big – 
manufacturing plant in Alabama. Uh-huh. And they're going to make cars there. They're not making cars. The Corolla. Anymore. They're going to make all these Corollas. They're not doing that, that That's all over. They have decided <laughs> that it will be building SUVs at the $1.6 billion joint venture assembly plant in Alabama rather than Corollas. The largest Japanese automaker announced in January of 18 that it would build the factory in Alabama with Mazda. Toyota, which said the shift was due to a growing consumer appetite for light trucks and SUVs, still expects to start production in 2021. So this is going to be quite the plant. This is going to be quite the facility. They're taking three years to build and open this this thing. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, But they were planning on Corolla, and now they're moving back to the SUV. Which you and I we've talked uh, we've talked a lot about the quote unquote death of the sedan. I don't think death is the right term. No, it's they're still selling over a million sedans a year. Like it's not like it's there's a lot of there's a lot of sedans out there. It's just kind of a trend right now, more leaning towards SUVs and crossovers. But who's to say it wouldn't switch back? And they're but they're still like you said, they're still the hey, market for, for the a lot, sedan. There's a Los Angeles Times article out there from November of 2018. Not all sedans are dead, just the American ones. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bam. Gotcha. Shot you down. <laughs> hey, 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 hey uh, the, the Legacy coming out this fall. Yeah, I think that new Legacy is going to be a really cool car. I'm, I'm excited for it. We haven't been excited for a new Legacy in a while, so we'll, we'll see how it happens. I haven't been a sedan driver in a long time. I'm strongly considering going back to that with the new uh, Legacy. 855-340-ZONE. Nick has a memory of his first car. Good morning, Nick. Hi, guys. Hey, this is about Eric Dickerson's first car. Since oh. this is a car show on a sports station, sure. I thought I'd relay this to you. I've been telling this story for 50 years, and I know nobody believed it. <laughs> but in 1967, just before graduation, we had two players on our team recruited to TCU and Texas A&M. On the very same day, two baby blue Ford Galaxy XL 500 convertibles show up in the parking lot at the school for these guys. And then ESPN recently, well, a few years ago, did a story on this with Eric Dickerson. Uh-huh. And uh, they've got a picture of Eric in his high school parking lot leaning against the yellow Datsun sports car that A&M gave him. <laughs> and, and they're interviewing him today. And he says, well, you know, that was really nice, but I changed my mind and decided to go to uh, SMU. And I wasn't sure if I was supposed to get the car back or not. <laughs> and so he didn't. I don't know. They didn't never answer the question. You know, maybe he wound up with both cars. Who knows? <laughs> oh, I hope he did. That's a oh shrewd businessman. That's funny. I believe you, Nick. I don't believe Gordon Eddie. Monson, but I believe you. I believe you, Nick. <laughs> okay. you Thank you. That's pretty funny. Uh, busted by Nick totally. here in Salt Lake City. Totally. All right. Just a few minutes left. 855-340-ZONE. You know the car to go service where you can rent a high-end vehicle like a Mercedes, a BMW for a couple hours. Well, uh, they're based in Austin. And in April, around the western Chicago, they were noticing a lot of their Mercedes sedans and SUVs were being rented but not returned. Within It's usually about 90 minutes to three hours that these things are rented for. And they weren't returning. So they pinged them and sent out a team of employees to go see where they they found they they on the on the radar or whatever they were all in one congregation in a parking lot in western chicago so they sent a team of employees to go see what was going on well it was a coup there was a big old uh, burglary criminal 
conglomeration that had fortified the parking lot and was ready to just make these vehicles their <laughs> own. They were going to fight them all off and, and keep these vehicles to their own. Well, of course, the authorities got called in, and by midweek, the company suspended service in Chicago altogether, and all were eventually <laughs> recovered. All 75 cars, they, they were compromised, but they were all eventually recovered. But crazy that they, they all, uh, the, this one Monday, woke up and said, all right, we're all going to go out and rent a vehicle, and then we're just never going to return it. We're going to bring it to this parking lot, and we're going to fight to the death. That's brilliant. And, and keep make these cars our own. Stupid. Criminals are never have been, never will be the brightest. They're charged by the mile, right? It's either by the mile or by the time, right? You can do either, yeah. yeah. So two hours in a Mercedes in Seattle cost you 29 bucks. Not bad. Not bad at That's all. That's actually not bad. A nope. day costs you seventy nine bucks. Now in Seattle, you gotta pay tolls to drive that thing and put to park it. But no, still. It's parking's included. Oh, it is for twenty nine dollars. Parking, insurance, fuel, membership fees. Wow, insurance, all it's yeah, it's all free. So, but it, but I is I don't know if if this is can you take it one way and leave it, or do you have to return it? I don't know. I don't know. Because that's. Whenever I rent a car, which is very rare, I like the idea of being able to drive it from one spot to my destination and then make it someone else's problem. Just leave it? Yeah. Drop it off somewhere. I think you can do that. It would make sense if you could. But What you don't want to do it's is like try a, and like steal a, it. Like a scooter. <laughs> like a lime <laughs> and a bird scooter. <laughs> but a car. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then this, uh, finally, before we end the week, we'll save the asleep at the wheel study for another day. This secret study going on in Utah that is actually quite dangerous. Uh, but uh, the electric car battery can catch fire days after an accident, recent reports are saying. Uh, when a Tesla Model S crashed into a palm tree and caught a blaze just outside of Fort Lauderdale, Florida last February, firefighters struggled to extinguish the flames, and the car reportedly reignited multiple times. Uh, according to researchers, lithium-ion batteries are prone to a phenomenon known as thermal runaway, a process where battery temperatures sharply increase to the point where they catch on fire or explode. This can happen even days after a car fire has been extinguished. So a, an electric car catches fire, they extinguish it, they move it somewhere, and a couple days later it's back electric on fire. Electric light on fire again? Apparently so, due to this phenomenon called, uh, what did I just call it? What did they call it? The electric uh, thermal thermal runaway wow. process where battery temperatures increase to the point where they catch fire or explode. Now, this is probably why they tell you not to throw the batteries in the campfire up at Camp Lowell. It will yeah. explode yeah, when it gets to a certain yeah, you heat. Don't throw batteries in a fire? Well, it makes sense. A battery gets to a certain temperature. Do people have to tell you ignite. not to throw batteries into a campfire? Yes, they have to tell you everything at Scout Camp. <laughs> Wow. They have the, the I had a I had a troop mate that was instead of putting the bug spray on his body, all week long was just spraying the bugs out of the air with the aerosol can. Before someone finally said, You're depleting the ozone, son. You don't spray the bugs, you spray yourself. <laughs> he went through like nine cans. Crazy punk. Oh man. All right, we had fourteen callers today, Jeff Miller. Fourteen. Well, I have all of them written down. I gotta put numbers next to them one second. All right. As you uh, number 1 through 14, well, 13, Lou wasn't able to get no, on, I but technically 14 calls. Yeah, I got 13, so. All right, 13. Alex, a number between 1 and 13. Let's go with good old number 7. Number 7. You picked up Tim, who had the uh, 
280ZX Nissan Coupe. Not the Datsun pickup. Not the pickup. The Datsun Coupe. Coupe. So Tim can stop in at the Midtown store, pick up those movie passes later next week, and enjoy the show. Thanks for calling in. Jeff, good to see you back here, man. Good to be back. It was a good week. Uh, anybody you have any questions or issues, just feel free to contact me at either one of our locations, 3535 South State or 109th South in the Southtown Automall, or you can email me at jeffm at markmiller.com. Uh, it's, uh, well, that's Jeff Miller for Alex Lundberg. I'm Austin Horton. We'll see you next week on Utah Car Sense.